rock here at the point, an opportunity to look at the simplicity of just walking with Christ on a daily basis. I think back to my life when I was um, coming to Christ, if you will. I grew up knowing about the things of God. I grew up hearing the gospel. I grew up in church. But I was not surrendered to Christ. And I was not being changed by Christ. I was not a follower of Christ. I had not been cleansed by Christ. And you know, this is a little side note, but I remember early on as a new believer thinking, man, the church is filled up with people like I used to be. I heard one preacher say, if the rapture happened on Sunday, that just mean low attendance in some of the churches. <laughs> so it's possible for us to be long-term church members without having a relationship with Christ. And Maybe if the Lord pricks your heart today, this would be the day that you say, you know what, I'm not going to play church or religion, I'm going to surrender. And God finally brought me to that place of surrender. I'd been trying to clean my life up so that I could go to church and not feel guilty. But I couldn't get clean. If I were to characterize my life by two words before Christ, it would have been in bondage. Well, that's two words. I was going to say in bondage and selfish. So let's just say bondage and selfishness. Even when I did good things, it was for my own gain. I might compliment you so that you would compliment me back. And I was in bondage to my sin nature, my flesh, but I didn't know it. I thought I was free to do what I wanted to do. And then Christ set me free. And I realized that I was in bondage before. So I'm trying to clean my life up, and my buddy Dusty comes over to share the gospel with me, and he gives me the ABCs of salvation. That's what we teach at VBS. Admit you're a sinner. I knew I was. Believe in Christ. I couldn't remember a time that I didn't. And then you need to confess him as your Lord. You need to commit your life to him. Surrender. And I knew for sure that I had never done that. And so that night, 22 years old, crying like a baby, all by myself in my bedroom. And I just confessed to God my whole life I've known right from wrong. And I've always chosen myself over you. And I believe that Christ came and lived a life that I couldn't live and died on the cross and paid the penalty that I deserve to pay. And I asked God, I said, God, I can't do it, but if you help me, I'll give you my life. And you know what he did? He heard my prayer. God. Took my life. And ever since has been changing it. Now, a little discipleship plug. I got involved into a small group and, and they began to teach me how to walk with Christ. How to wake up in the morning and spend time with the Lord in, in the Word. And how to read it expectantly, desiring to obey it. They taught me how to pray. They taught me that when I was convicted of sin, that's not a bad thing. Don't run from it or ignore it. But you need to recognize that as God's loving discipline in your life sanctifying you and changing you and so when you have sin that God points out confess it openly to him and ask him to forgive you and he's faithful and just to cleanse us and restore us from all unrighteousness they taught me basically how to seek the Lord and I'm here to tell you a small group so essential to that the passage that we're studying today in John 15 happened in a, in a small group Jesus was with his disciples 
And in that context of small group and transparency, and I could just tell them, guys, I need your prayers. I am struggling big time with this, big time with that. Whatever it was, they didn't, man, you know, good, you need to get on out of this church. They just loved on me and showed me scripture and prayed with me and helped me to grow in Christ. And I began to experience the power of a spirit-filled life. I didn't know it. I didn't realize how hard it would have been had I not been practicing those spiritual disciplines. I kind of took it for granted, if you will. I mean, for, for years, I was in the Word every day, memorizing Scripture, reading the Word, listening to preaching, listening to songs that glorified Christ, spending time with believers, sharing the gospel. I mean, having intentional time carved out to be alone with Christ. And in those times, God was filling me and changing me and teaching me what it meant, John chapter 15, to abide in Christ. But somewhere along the way, I was taking that for granted, that, that power of a spirit-filled life. Somewhere along the way, I let busyness crowd out that intimacy with Christ. And then I started doing the same things out of religious practice. And I was serving God in my own strength, which doesn't go very far, if you haven't figured that out yet. If you find yourself frustrated, tired, burnt out, it might be that you're trying to do things in your own strength. And my buddy Danny, who was discipling me, called me up. We hadn't talked in a while, and he was asking me about my walk with Christ, and I was telling him about all the things that I was doing for God. He sat there and listened and listened, and I wasn't trying to boast. I was just, I had fallen into that trap that my relationship with God was based on what I was doing for him. He listened and listened, and then he said, hey, man, let me encourage you. Don't just do things for God. Make sure you're doing things with him. And it just all came flooding back. It's not about what we do. It's about who we are. And that's what I want to talk to you about today. I want to encourage you. There's an audience here with folks from all kind of walks of life, different seasons, different stages of your spiritual growth. Some of you may not be in a relationship with Christ yet. Some of you may be in that religion that I'm talking about. Some of you are in a relationship with Christ, but we have forgotten the simplicity and the richness of just dwelling with him. And we've gone through this religious motion, showing up to church, paying our tithe. Paying our tithe, not offering it, but paying it. You know what I'm talking about? And some of us even go out and share the gospel out of religion, and there's no joy there. There's no victory there. There's no power there when we do it in our own strength. And so today, I just want to remind us from God's word the beauty of just abiding in Christ. Simplicity. Before I do, I've got to set the context. Context of the book of John is very simple. You don't have to turn there. In John chapter 20, verse 30, John said, Now, Jesus did many other signs. This is the very end of the book. He had recorded so many miracles and so many things that Jesus had done. John said, there, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. So that's the purpose of the book of John, to believe in Christ and to have life in his name.
name. Not religion, not death, not bondage, but life. Jesus said in John, abundant life in his name. That's what I want to talk to you today about. So John chapter 15, the context is the Passion Week. His time had come. For three years, he had been healing people and performing miracles and telling them, don't say anything, my time has not come. His time had come. He's in his last few days with his disciples, and he's preparing them for his death and his burial and his resurrection. In John 14, he had just told them about the promised coming of the Holy Spirit. In John 15, he's talking about the Father and the Son and the roles of the disciple as well. Think about all the things that we've seen in the book of John, in the Gospels, if you will. His prophecy of his death and the burial and the resurrection. His message about love. His telling them about the sacrifice that he was about to make. The promising of the Holy Spirit. Talking to the Holy Spirit. Talking to them about obedience. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will disclose myself to you. We get all tangled up on things we, we have a hard time understanding. I feel like if we just go back to the simplicity of obeying, obeying what we know, God will continue to disclose himself to us. They're having the Lord's Supper together. He's told them about his coming betrayal. And then you've got abiding in Christ. Jesus said in John chapter 15, I'll tell you what, let's do this. If you are physically able, would you stand with me in honor of the reading of God's word? I'm going to read starting in verse chapter 15, verse 1. By the way, more context. False religion. The Jews had turned the, the, the message of God into religion. And, and we do that as well. So let, let us be careful about casting stones. But recognize when he says, I'm the true vine, he's not talking about the false vine of empty religion. He's talking about the true vine, okay? John 15, verse 1. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit... He takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already, you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. That makes me wonder how much nothing are we doing in our own strength. Verse 6. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers and the branch Branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. 
You might ask how. Verse 10. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Now listen to this. These things, verse 11, I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Let's pray. Father, today we are desperate for you to illuminate your word to our minds. We are desperate for you to point out in our lives the ways that we should apply your word. So, Lord, right now, Holy Spirit, I pray, give us insight into your word. Guide us as we study it. Apply it to our lives. Help us to leave resolve to live for you and in connection with you and in union with Christ. Help us to walk with you. Help us to be revived and refreshed, renewed. Lord, and use us for your glory. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, please be seated. John chapter 15. One of the first memory verses that I had as a brand new believer was John 15, 5. I highly recommend that you memorize John 15, 5. This week, write it on a note card. Stick it on your mirror. Keep it with you. Read it at the traffic light. Memorize John 15, 5. Read it every day. And hopefully the Lord would use that verse to remind you of this message. Uh, in John 15, Jesus uses a word picture. And in the word picture, it's a parable, but it's also like a metaphor, if you will. And he's talking about what it means to have union with Christ, what it means to be united with Christ, what it means to be walking with Christ, practically, daily, living out that connection that we have with Christ. And we see here the different roles of the Father and of the Son and of ourselves, the disciples. He said of the Father, He's the vine dresser. What does the vine dresser do? He takes away every branch that does not bear fruit and he prunes every branch that does bear fruit so that it will bear more fruit. And when we, as those branches bear fruit, the Father, says verse 8, is glorified and we are proved to be his disciples. You see the Son. The Son here is the true vine and he is the one who bears fruit through the branches. He abides in the Father's love and he keeps his commandments. And then you see the disciples in verse 5. The disciples are the branches. They're pruned by the Father to bear more fruit. The disciples are already clean, verse 3, because of the word spoken to them by Jesus. And our job is simply to abide in Christ, to cling on to the vine as branches are connected to the vine and cannot bear fruit by themselves. The vine, the branch, sorry, the branches, the disciples cannot bear fruit unless abiding in Christ. The flip side is we bear fruit when we are abiding in Christ. And Jesus said in verse 5, apart from me, apart from Christ, we can do nothing. In verse 7 it says, if we abide in Christ and his words abide in us, we can have, we can ask whatever we wish and it'll be done for us. How about that? 
So those are the different persons, if you will, represented. Now I want to go back and look at a word picture, okay? Think about a vine. Jesus is probably speaking of a grapevine in reference to all the vines there where he was. We may have around here some grapevines growing. Some of you might have some muscadine vines growing. Some of you might have some fruit trees growing. Same principle. You got one, single, one main vine, one main trunk, if you will, and then the branches that shoot off of it. Now, the fruit doesn't shoot off of the main vine or the main trunk. It comes off the branches that are connected. Sometimes we get out of whack in our walk with Christ and we try to bear fruit ourselves. And Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. But if we, like the vine, or, or, the, or the branches are connected to that vine, then he said, he will bear fruit through us. So the question is, what is the fruit? What's that fruit that comes from abiding in Christ? Well, what kind of fruit does a grapevine bear? Grapes. What kind of fruit does an apple tree bear? Apples. What kind of fruit does a Christ tree bear? Christ-likeness. The fruit for us as disciples is going to be Jesus exposed through us. Jesus seen in us. Jesus pressed out of us. Christ-likeness. What is Christ-likeness? What is Christ like? Think back to the book of John. He's loving. Loves people that don't even deserve it, right? With a love that is supernatural. He preaches truth even when it's hard truth. A lot of people didn't like Jesus because of his message. But he stood on truth. He honored his father by keeping his commandments. He preached repentance toward God for the kingdom of God was at hand. Galatians gives us an example of several examples of this Christ-likeness. Do you remember the passage in Galatians 5? Paul writes, if you walk by the Spirit, you're not going to gratify the desires of the flesh. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. You see any of that in Christ throughout the Gospels? Goodness, faithfulness, gentleness. Self-control. Those are the things that Christ will bear through us. Not limited to that list, but Christ-likeness. Now here's what I have discovered. If we are, on a daily basis, moment by moment, walking in Christ, keeping in step with the Spirit, dwelling with Him, in union with Him, connected with Him, in the Word, in prayer, 
meditating on the word, not just reading it for the sake of reading it, not just checking off a box, but chewing on it throughout the day, meditating on who he is and who we are in him. When things don't go our way, we don't tend to throw a temper tantrum. We tend to have self-control. When someone cuts us off in traffic, we don't tend to <laughs> lose it. We tend to have love and joy. Do you know that in Christ, no matter what the circumstance is, we can have peace <laughs> if we are connected to Him. But I tell you what, it's easy to get unconnected, isn't it? Now, aren't you glad that we have a Savior that has already cleansed us? I was reading this passage for a couple of weeks and thinking, where does that word clean come from? In verse 3, I mean the word abide, you heard it all throughout the passage. Abide, 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 abide. And then you got in verse 3, you're already clean because of the word that I've spoken to you. Do you know in verse 2, the word for prune can also mean cleanse, to purify. And that word clean there is referring back to that, that verse you and I who are in Christ, you and I who have already received His Word, you and I who have already surrendered to Him, His Lordship, and by faith, by grace through faith have been saved, we've been cleansed. But you know what? That was like this moment of surrender is when we became cleansed, entered into the kingdom of God, adopted by God, saved, if you will. But salvation is a process, right? It's not that immediate entrance into the kingdom, but it's this process of purification, this process of sanctification. Whereas you should not be now where you were years ago when you trusted Christ. He's constantly cleansing us, constantly pruning us. Sometimes he lets us get cut off in traffic just to prune us a little bit more. Sometimes we call it spiritual sandpaper. Sometimes he puts people in our life that are hard to deal with. You know what he's doing to us? He's pruning us, making us more like Christ. Jesus said, what good is it if you love people that love you back? But what about when we love people that are hard to love? You know what that's called? Christ-likeness. You know what that is? That's Christ bearing fruit through us. And can I tell you something that I've discovered? You cannot do it in your own strength. That is not natural love that supernatural love we can't muster it but christ can do it through us but how quick are we to jump back to the religion instead of focusing on the relationship what does it mean to abide it means to remain it means to be connected it means to dwell jesus is saying remain in me be connected to me Dwell with me. Walk with me. Abide in Christ. If we abide in Christ, it causes fruit. It causes fruit. Have you ever had this thought, man, I'm just too busy today. There's way too much to do. I, I can't have my time in the Word like normal. Wish I could. Can't have my normal prayer time because it's too much on my plate. 
Wouldn't it be better if we said, man, I better set my alarm a little bit earlier because I got way too much to do tomorrow. I got to be connected to the vine. I can't do that in my own strength. But I'm here to tell you, I'm one of your pastors here, and I still let life crowd me out. I still get way too busy, if you will, to walk with Christ. And that don't make sense. For a pastor to be too busy doing ministry to walk with Christ? What? You know what that means? I'm doing a bunch of nothing. That's what he said. If you abide in me and I in you, you're going to bear fruit. But apart from me, this is what you can do. Nothing. How much nothing are we doing? Man, I don't want to be doing a bunch of nothing. Get to the end of my days thinking I had it all together. All this stuff I thought I did for Christ and I find out it was a bunch of nothing. But I do want to get to the end of my days having walked with Jesus and having him poured out his Christ-likeness through me. And you know what happens? We're just ready on a daily basis. We don't have to say, man, i got to share the gospel today. I'm going to force it if I have to. He just gives us those opportunities. And you know what happens? Christ-likeness oozes out of us. And next thing you know, we're in a spiritual conversation we didn't even mean to be in. Why? Because we're abiding in Christ. And it just happened. Now, we still have to be obedient. Y'all probably experienced this too, where you feel the Holy Spirit prodding you to do something, and you're like, you got that choice. Either I'm going to do it or not. When we do it, we're abiding in Christ. When we don't, we just disconnected our power. But what do we do to get back reconnected? That same word, cleanse, is used in John, 1 John 1. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to cleanse us and restore us from all unrighteousness. So on your daily basis, the moment you feel convicted of a sin, you know what you need to do? Confess that. Say, God, I I blew it. Can't do it in my own strength. I don't want to go my own way. Please, please forgive me and help me. Reconnect me. I want to abide in you. I want to be connected to you. So let me give you some practical ways to abide, and then it's going to be time for me to wrap it up. We need to live life through the lens of the gospel, not through performance. God did not save us for performance. We didn't get saved by performance. He saved us because He's good and because He's able And because he's loving and because he's gracious. What did you do to earn your salvation? And if you did do something, would God be glorified by that? No. He's glorified when he takes us, this motley crew that we are, and bears fruit through us. And everybody's like, man, no way that was Trey. He can't love like that. That's got to be Jesus. Ain't no way that's Trey. I saw the way he used to throw temper tantrums when things didn't go his way. That's got to be Christ giving him self-control because apart from Christ, he can do nothing. We got to see life through the lens of the gospel. You and I, all of us like sheep have gone astray. All of us deserve God's judgment. All of us are separated from God because of our sin. And the only hope that we have is in His goodness and in His grace and in His mercy. 
The only hope that we have is that when we couldn't get to him, he came to us. When we could not afford to pay the sacrifice, he paid it for us so that in him we might have eternal life. The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. That's the gospel. Can't save ourselves, and we can't keep ourselves saved. We don't perform for God. We just serve him because he's so good to us. That's the gospel. God doesn't love you more when you perform religious activity. God doesn't love you less when you blow it. That's the gospel. God loves us with his perfect love. God is faithful when we're not faithful. The gospel is all about his grace through Jesus Christ, not our performance. That's the first step. And I'm telling you something, that'll get you going every day. It'll crank your tractor. That will make it hard to preach in only 35 minutes. We've got to obey the Lord in faith, out of love. Not duty, but love. We've got to seek the Lord in prayer. And you know what happens when we're abiding in Him? The prayers we pray are the prayers He puts on our heart. And the Word says that He'll answer those prayers. We've got to read the Word expectantly. I'm going to encourage you, don't just read it. Don't just fly through it. But think about what you're reading. And you can even do it with big chunks. Right now, we're, a lot of us are reading through the scriptures this year in a chronological order. Some of that stuff, it's a lot to chew on after you read three or four chapters through Leviticus or Deuteronomy. I got four questions for you. This is what we use in our connect groups that will help you, even with large chunks. What did I learn about God? What do I learn about man or myself? Is there a sin that I should avoid or repent of? And is there an example that I should follow or a command that I should obey? And if you ask those four simple questions, when you read through the Word, it'll help you abide in Christ. It'll help you not just read it, but to chew on it and think about it. Now I'll give you, this is, this is why we call it the sword method. It, it'll help you. You don't have to even write it down. Picture me holding a sword. Swords pointing up. That reminds me to ask the question, what I'll learn about God. Man is holding the sword. That reminds me to ask the question, what I'll learn about man. On one side of the sword, there's sin. On the other side, there's commands and examples. It's real simple. Any of us can do that. In a group or alone. Being in the word. Listening to and singing praises to God. Isn't that good? Our kids, our children, our older two, were in the choir special for Easter, and they got a CD with the, with the songs that they were going to sing. And so we were listening to them in the mornings on the way to school to get them ready. And you know what I heard yesterday all throughout my house? The kids singing those same songs, even Katie Jane. Makes my heart smile. And it does me good to hear it because we're singing the gospel. We're singing about the power of God, about the resurrection. It's good stuff. Singing about what kind of Savior Jesus is, what it takes to be a Savior. Listening to those songs will help you abide in Christ. Memorizing Scripture. You know what that does? It gives you the power of God right there for the Holy Spirit when the when the devil tempts you or your flesh tempts you or whenever you're about to respond 
in the flesh. Holy Spirit takes the Holy Word of God and says, don't, don't act that way. Act this way. Fill your heart up. Fill your quiver up, if you will, with the Word of God for time of need. You're going to have times of need. Listen to sermons. I'm telling you, it, it, it helps me a lot sometimes just to listen to some good sermons. I'm sure you all have your favorites. Listen to some sermons. Read books that help you grow in your, your love for God and your adoration for Him, your theology, if you will. One of my favorite books is a big old huge textbook from seminary, but it's written very devotionally. It's, it's a systematic theology book by Wayne Grudem. I love it. Helps me grow in my knowledge of Him. And when I grow in my knowledge of Him, it helps me grow in my love for Him and my worship for Him. And when I grow in my love and my worship for Him, it helps me want to live for Him and not myself. You know something else that just does me good is sharing the gospel with people. When you share the gospel or your testimony about what God's done in your life, it just reconnects you even more, reminding you of the truth of connected to God. And when you see the power of God saving somebody, transforming their life before you, all the more reminds you of our connectivity to Christ. So how do you respond today? How do you respond today after a message like this? I, I want to ask you uh, real quick if you'll bow your heads with me. And think about how do we apply this message today? Maybe today you need to come to Christ for the first, for the, you know, for the first time, if you will. You need to come to Christ by grace through faith and be forgiven and be cleansed by His Word. Maybe God's prodding your heart right now. I remember when I was a youth, sometimes feeling the prodding of the Holy Spirit during the invitation time, and I'd go hide in the bathroom instead of come down the aisle and respond. I want to encourage you today, if God is prodding your heart, come forward and let us talk to you from the Word about how you can trust Christ, how you can have this joy and eternal life. Maybe today you just need to slow down in the busyness of life. And focus on your relationship with Jesus. Abide in Him. Maybe right now, God's putting it on your mind that you need to be more intentional in your walk with Him. Maybe you need to reevaluate all the things that you're doing for the Lord and be sure that He's doing these things through you. You ever heard the adage that you got 20% of the people in the church doing 80% of the work. Make sure you're doing things through Christ. He's doing things through you. Being connected to Him. Not just overworking, but overflowing. We all need a reminder just to rest in God's Word. To rest in God's grace. And to enjoy, enjoy abiding with Jesus, with God. Right? Maybe we just need to rest in Him. Maybe that's the word for you today, is just rest in Him. Maybe today, God has convicted you of sin in your life, and you need to confess it and turn from it, and be cleansed, to be restored, and to have the joy of your salvation restored. 